0: I signed in as you. I'll be back. Okay. Good evening. Good evening.
1: Sheriff, chief, great to have you both. Thank you both for being with us. We are gonna let um, the other participants in here and then we will let uh, the general uh, attendees. We've already got a few people in the waiting room. So I appreciate you guys being with us. Justine, good evening. I'm gonna make you co-host.
0: Thank you very much. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. My daughter spotted a huge owl in our backyard. So we were all out there. I've got the people Dean, we were all out there. Okay, good. Does everyone have a little Halloween candy to get us through? No? I do not. We gave ours out. Well, we gave ours out, but then my daughter brought a bunch back, so it evened out.
1: Hello, Stan. Good to see you. Welcome to everyone. We are gonna get started here in a few minutes. We will let uh, everyone in and uh, get moving forward. Uh, Mayor Roberts, good to have you.
2: Good evening, guys. Good to be here.
1: We have a good, a really good group who is registered, so it's great to have everyone. Elizabeth, it's nice to see you on. It's good to see you a couple weeks ago there in Easley. Hope you're doing well.
0: Okay, just testing.
1: Perfect. Okay. Good. See Jim. Hello, Jim.
3: Hey, good afternoon. Or evening, I guess.
1: Yes, it is almost evening, Jim. Uh, it's dark. <laughs> we'll see yes. what that means. Uh, Justine, do you wanna put it into um, presentation mode?
0: Mm, let's see, is it? Um,
1: it's showing all the slides right now.
0: Oh, whoops, I thought I'd pause it. All right. Okay, still all the slides? Yes. Mm. Go down to you, go
4: over to the right, Justine, at the bottom.
1: Yeah, you need to be in the presentation mode.
5: We're trying to make sure I'm not accidentally sharing the screen versus the PowerPoint itself.
1: Good evening, uh, Chief Hamby.
6: Yeah. Hey, how are how are you, Dean? Hello, everybody. Hey, Chief. Good? Hello, hello.
0: Chief. good evening.
1: We are gonna uh, we. Letting folks in, and we're gonna wait about another four or five minutes, and we'll get started. We had a a great number of people registered, so I'm hoping folks will be coming on here shortly. we've We've already got a good group in. Um, still waiting, uh, Chief Hamby, for a couple of of the panelists. Dean, I
6: uh... I was texting back with Sheriff uh, Wright. He indicated he may not be able to attend. Okay. At some uh, work conflicts coming up. He may show up, but there's a good chance he will not.
1: Okay, well, we've got uh, plenty of sheriffs and chiefs uh, already participating, so he will be missed certainly, but uh, we, I'm sure we will have a, a great group already. Um, We will give it another three or four minutes here and then we will get started. And Keisha, I see you on there. Good evening.
0: Good evening. How are you all?
1: Doing well. How are you tonight? I am great. Thanks. Good. Next
0: Tuesday is the sponsor of just $15.
4: Hello, Keisha. This is Greg. Hey,
0: Greg. I'm glad
2: you could join
4: us. Happy to do so.
1: Again, welcome to everybody. We're waiting uh, to let a few more folks in uh, till six o'clock. we got a couple minutes. So, uh, Appreciate you all being with us tonight, and we're looking forward to a a great program.
0: Hi, Sylvia. Hi. (laughs) Good to see you.
7: Good to see you. And everybody else.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I think we got some good representation from the Greenville
1: Dreams group. Okay. (laughs) That's good, Stan. Thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, a couple of them will be late.
8: Uh, I'm getting texts so they, they may be a little late in joining us but but uh, we should have at least 11 from the
6: com- representing neighborhood associations.
1: Oh good. Well, we had a really strong um, registration uh, so I'm very pleased and hoping folks will all make it in and uh, I know we're going to have a great Sessions so we'll give it mayor uh, Roberts maybe another minute or so give folks another minute to get on and of course as we're doing our welcomes i'm sure we'll have have some people join us Uh, it's kind of everybody probably went home. um, And getting caught up I was actually at at an event in Spartanburg and fortunately my GPS knows exactly how to get here quicker. Going the speed limit, um, by the way, to our uh, to Chief Hamby, since uh, I'm in his jurisdiction. But um, <laughs> it was all good. The back roads are are a good thing to have. So, uh, Mayor Roberts, why don't we uh, go ahead and get started, and then as uh, more people join, that'll give a few minutes uh, as you and I kind of kick things off, that'll give some time for people to um, to join us. But uh, I'll turn it over to you uh, to get us started.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Dean. And it's good to see everybody tonight. As Dean has mentioned, uh, my name is Terrence Roberts, and I'm mayor to city of Anderson. But more importantly, tonight I am wearing the hat of chair at 10 at the top. And I've been chair for two years um, at, at the end of my second year term and and I've jokingly said before that I will go down the history as being named as the, the COVID chair um for 10 to the top. We've gotten very um uh, good uh at convening uh with Zoom meetings and although I would rather meet in person sometimes you know an evening meeting like this works. Um I have Um, noticed some of my colleagues, how they have transitioned from from work to home, so hopefully we've got a few more people that will be joining us for what is our fourth workshop and what we are calling creating a safer upstate behind the shield. And Dean will talk about how we got to where we are right now, and and I won't delve into that because um, uh, he does a great job of, of setting the table. But what I will say is that this gives us an opportunity, the community opportunity um, with our law enforcement to, to ask questions and, um, and and I've been involved in the, the, the workshops before and believe me, there is no stupid question. Um, our uh, officers, uh, our leaders, our uh, police leaders are, are on board and and they're used to asking um, and, and answering questions. And so I'm sure we have a, a, a good um, event this evening. So without me continuing the talk, I would like to just turn it over to our executive director, Top, Dean he- Dean. Thank you, Mayor
1: Roberts. And Justine, if you could go to the next slide. So um, last year, uh, 2020, uh, as if, uh, we didn't have enough going on with the pandemic. Of course, uh, everyone knows there was some issues uh, in uh, Minneapolis and Louisville and other places around law enforcement and uh, the community. And they were, of course, just the latest in a long term of things. And And as those were unfolding, uh, Mayor Roberts and I talked about what the best avenue was for 10 at the top to to illustrate our support of, community and of law enforcement and and more importantly to try to ensure that in the upstate there are not or um you know the same level of of issues happening and if they did that we would be prepared as a community to be able to engage in in a thoughtful dialogue as opposed to a more emotional type of 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 response and so what we did was we we decided that we would uh, uh, create a discovery committee of uh, law enforcement and community leaders and business leaders to better understand what the issues were here in the upstate and what some opportunities were for us to move forward. And we were very fortunate that Stan Davis, who is with us uh, tonight, uh, agreed to serve as our facilitator and he has done so uh, for the, the year and a half that we've been working on this initiative. And so the first, a few months, uh, we had a discovery group that started with about 50 some names that Mayor Roberts and I had. And we ended up with actually about 70 people who participated uh, in that uh, dialogue at some level. And we came up with this purpose statement uh, to create a safer and more united upstate region where all law enforcement stakeholders work collaboratively with community leaders to foster a culture that respects and values the lives of officers and all residents. And while I don't have listed the uh, 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 various uh, recommendations that came out of the committee, basically the the crux of it was that we uh, wanted to, to to create more opportunities for transparency, more opportunities for community dialogue, and more connections between law enforcement and the community. And then we also knew that there are uh, great programs and, and examples of things that are happening in our region. Um, the city of Anderson has had a, a, a program for a number of years. Uh, Oconee County uh, was the first to hire a diversity officer for the police department uh, in the upstate. And uh, many others city of, of Greenville, Greenville County, uh, Spartanburg, you know, many others have done uh, some very strong work. So part of what we wanted to do is understand what is being done and what are other opportunities that we can do to move forward. So Justine, if you'll go to the next slide, Um, what we uh, this year have focused on is really um, some informational and transparency type uh, programs uh, and also some opportunities for outreach with uh, the community, most especially with our young people, with our students. we started these Beyond the Shield workshops uh, this summer, and uh, each one uh, prior to today has had a specific topic: um, the use of force, technology, and law enforcement, and then recruitment, retention, and training. And then for the one today, um, we wanted to kind of flip it a little bit and have law enforcement, our panelists, answer questions and and um, you know directly from the audience rather than us just have a specific topic, uh, we feel like this dialogue is important and part of, of what is, uh, is uh, the way we can ensure that that uh, um, any, all these uh, misconceptions and things that we hear on a national stage that are very different than what we actually experience here locally, you know, we can, can talk about those things and understand the reasons for some of the decisions that are made by law enforcement and maybe hear uh, some of the reasons why uh, the communities have questions or concerns at times around some of those things. So um, the the other uh, approach we've done, as I mentioned, was uh, working with some of our school districts and a number of our departments in the region already uh, had some kind of an outreach program, fist bump Fridays or uh, high five Fridays. I think they were called at one time back when you could actually uh, do high fives as opposed to fist bumps uh, pre-COVID. Uh, and we did one uh, at the end of the, the uh, last school year, did one at Halloween and we'll have another one coming up. And then as we go into 2022, want to have even more of those. And then um, another element of of this is in-person community meetings. And we were very fortunate that Tri-County Technical College in Anderson was already, uh, they have a program for law enforcement to bring uh, uh, some of their students to become law enforcement officers. And so they uh, saw this issue also as being important. They were starting the dialogue uh, with Anderson, Oconee and Pickens County um, around the connection between law enforcement and the community. And so we partnered uh, with them and just a couple of weeks ago had the first of our in-person community meetings uh, at Tri-County Technical College in Anderson. It's a great uh, event. I think several of you on the call were were participants in that uh, event. It was a good dialogue and just really a very positive experience. And I think something we hope Uh, as we move into 2022, we can do uh, in-person throughout uh, the region at the different uh, counties. Um, So, Justine, if you'll go to the next slide, um, one of the elements that we've also identified that, you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, There is already the national program, National Night Out, and I know that several communities here in the upstate already participate in that. So we'll ask if you do, Uh, we have Justine's contact information uh, on the last slide and she can put it in the chat, but we wanna know if your community is or or is interested in being engaged in uh, the National Night Out program. There are um, materials and things, and we're hoping to increase the number of communities in the upstate that participate in the national night out uh, next year. So, um, you know, that is another uh, component of what we hope uh, to be the ongoing work of uh, the creating a safer upstate um, effort. So if you'll go to the next slide, uh, Justine. So, and I'm in a minute uh, after Chief uh, Hamby introduces our panelists, gonna turn it over to Jim Hsu and Keisha Nelson who are going to be the ones monitoring the chat? But um, we we this session is really an opportunity for all of us to have a dialogue, and so we're going to call on some of you or, or offer you the opportunity to uh, ask questions to our law enforcement leaders, uh, either general questions or uh, if you want to get a little bit more specific. Um, you know, the the one thing I, I will say, and and I I Pretty sure in this audience, um, we will be uh, fine. But you know, this is—we're uh, all civil, and we understand that at times, uh, law enforcement issues uh, are emotional, uh, and we don't discount that certainly. But we ask, in this context tonight, that everybody please, um, you know, can uh, continue to to show respect to everyone uh, who is uh, participating. All. Uh, All uh, ideas and comments are relevant and important, uh, but we want to make sure that we're doing this in a context of of positive uh, engagement with uh, our community and our law enforcement leaders. So, um, as you uh, have a question or or something, you know, you want to engage with our panel, uh, if you'll go to raise your hand, uh, then Keisha or Jim will reach out and let you know that you're going to be next, and then you can unmute and um, participate in the questions. So with that, uh, Chief Hamby, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our panelists. And before I do that, I just want to take a second um, for the record, and I think I saw Mayor Danner uh, come on uh, to say that Chief Hamby has been a, a tremendous asset and um, a, a vital component of this and and uh, chief I want to uh, publicly thank you for your work in this series and you know you have really gone above and beyond in terms of of getting the panelists for all these sessions and you uh, uh, very much um, you know show uh, the desire from law enforcement to be a part a very positive part of the community and you have done a great job in uh, facilitating and uh, making sure these sessions have been successful uh, Justine will put in the the uh, chat as we move forward the links to the first three sessions for anyone who has not been able to watch them they are tremendous and um, you know I know to, tonight will be uh, the same but uh, chief Hamby I want to thank you for all all you've done and and I think you know we've got certainly we're we're building a very positive, uh, uh, effort here to move forward, and uh, and you have uh, been a, a great part of it. And I will turn the program over to you uh, to get us started uh, for tonight's session.
6: Thank you, Dean. I appreciate uh, the kind words. Um, but I also want to thank a lot of other people as well. Um, I know we're short on time, so I won't go... Um, far with this, but uh, Mayor, Mayor Roberts from uh, the city of Anderson, uh, of course, Sheriff Clark from Pickens County, uh, yourself, Dean, uh, Stan Davis, Justine, Allen, um, but also the, the other three panel discussions we did over the last three months. Um, I want to thank all of the, the chiefs who have participated on the panel. Uh, there's been quite a few of them. I think I counted about 15 or so who have helped and um, also the other members of my subcommittee who I've worked with, but um, and also the members of our community who have um, taken time out of their schedule to be a part of this uh, great discussion. Um, so anyway, thank you to, to all all of those, and maybe I probably missed a few, but um, a lot of people have pitched in to make this so successful. Um, I've invited a, An outstanding um, group of law enforcement leaders to be here tonight. Um, I'm going to introduce them by name and and agency. I don't have um, the time to give you a full um, justified introduction for each one of these, because each one of these um, panelists has a wealth of experience and skills that they bring tonight. Um, So I'd probably be here an hour just introducing them if I wanted to. But um, with that, um, Sheriff Mike Crenshaw, who's with the Oca- Oconee County um, Sheriff's Office, and I believe uh, Sheriff Crenshaw has at least 30 years plus experience in law enforcement. And uh, Sheriff, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you've been the sheriff at, uh, around 10 years or so in Oconee County. So we're happy to have him with us tonight. And I know he's been on some uh, a good many of these um uh, in, in attendance as well some of these other panel discussions that we've done um i have uh, chief uh tony taylor with williamston police department and he has uh an ample amount of experience close to 30 years um he had prior experience at greenville sheriff's office and he's been at williamston pd for quite a number of years and um chief taylor by the way is also a uh part of the South Carolina Training Council. Uh, So he has a uh, very important position on the Training Council, which helps regulate uh, the mandated training for law enforcement and helps oversee the um, Criminal Justice Academy in Columbia. Um, We have Chief Jim Stewart with Anderson Police Department. And uh, uh, so Jim's been the chief there for, Uh, probably about five or six years i believe uh hope i didn't cut you short on that jim but jim's been at your anderson pd for uh many years and has worked his way through the ranks to to his current position as chief um we also have sheriff hobart lewis with the greenville uh, county sheriff's office and um so sheriff lewis um started in greer so i've known him many 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 years and uh We could not have a better sheriff than we have here in Greenville County. I live in Greenville County, so he's my sheriff and uh, and a good friend as well as everyone else here on our panel. So uh, I did invite um, Sheriff Chuck Wright with Spartanburg, and I believe his name was probably on the advertisement, and I spoke with him just or texted back with him a few minutes ago. He may be uh, due to other work conflicts. He may not be able to be present. So if he joins in, I hope I catch him so that we can include him as well. So that's who we have on the panel. And uh, I don't want to take up too much time on the introductions, although I wish I could. But we probably want to get into the questions. Uh, and what I'll do is, is I'll sort of direct traffic as the questions are presented, and I'll, I'll prompt some of our panelists to, uh, to join in with an answer. And also, I, as I indicated uh, when we were on a conversation yesterday, if any of our panelists want to add something to an answer that, that came from someone else, please feel free to chime in and do that. So with that, I guess I'll turn that over, Dean, to, uh, to Jim Hsu and uh, Keisha Nelson.
1: Yes, Kim.
3: Jim, you're on mute. Hey, thank you. I apologize for that. Uh, Chief Hamby, I wanted to just mention, I think Captain uh, Jennifer Kendall with Spartanburg um, is on the call, and, and she may be able to uh, participate as well with uh, Chief Wright not being able to uh, join us or maybe joining us late. So uh, she's another another resource I think is available.
6: We'll certainly but, take advantage of her time if she's here. Okay.
3: And then also, uh, I'll just reiterate what Dean mentioned earlier, at the bottom of your Zoom screen, if you would like to ask a question, please feel free to um, just use the raised hand feature, which is under the reactions um, logo or or emblem. If you were to click on that, you can raise your hand, and um, we will go in a sequential order um, to uh, recognize individuals to ask questions or... If you would prefer to uh, write a question in the chat, uh, Keisha and I will monitor that and we'll um, uh, also ask questions from the chat as well. So uh, with that, maybe to open it up, I see there are a couple of questions that, um, I guess these are more sort of general questions uh, that I'll just recognize to get us started. Uh, The first is I see that uh, Corey Terry, Just mentioned, I think, Dean, in reference to having the uh, fist bump Fridays that East North Street Academy would be glad to have uh, that at their school. So feel free to to reach out to uh, Corey Terry on that. And then also he had a more general question about if anyone could sort of comment on the national night out and what does that consist of in terms of fostering relationships between, uh, you know, the community and uh, law enforcement.
6: Okay, Uh, with the question on uh, National Night Out, I'll throw that out to uh, uh, Jim Stewart. Okay, I think
9: I'm unmuted. So we do National Night Out a little bit earlier um, in the year. And we have had a long since partnership with Target, and Target provides us with uh, school supplies and also Walmart. Um, so basically we gather this uh, prior to school starting and go to some of our, um, we'd say uh, low income neighborhoods. And uh, we tried just to get out and that's really a great connection between us and kids in the neighborhood. Um, when you see a police car pull up, you don't expect uh, police to get out, and hand out notebooks and pencils and paper and backpacks and stuff like that. But it's really a good time for us um, To partner with our business community too, and they have always gone above and beyond whatever we needed, Um, and that's kind of what we do on National Night Out. Now we do that different, like National Park with um, our social media, you know, asking people to keep their lights on during the night, um, be a little extra, and uh, such as that.
3: Great. Great, thank you, uh, Chief Stewart. Um, so maybe to get the uh, conversation you know, going and, and get questions started, I'll just sort of mention, you know, really to reiterate some of the things that Dean said, but in our you know, first sessions, we had some great conversation around topics like um, use of force, uh, use of technology, such as um, body-worn cameras and license plate readers, uh, community policing, training recruitment just a few topics i'll throw out that if anyone had uh questions in those areas and and wanted to maybe delve a little deeper please feel free to raise your um, hand through zoom or uh, put a question in the chat and we'll certainly recognize you oh uh tanya i see tanya winbush please go ahead and just unmute yourself and uh, ask your question
10: hi um Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you, um, Mayor Roberts, for inviting me to this great discussion of policing. Um, one of the things, I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Anderson County, um, community community leader by right of me going through a, um, <laughs> a dispute with eminent domain between the city and the county, so I became very familiar with um, the chief of police, um, chief Stewart. So, And he um, has always been very honest, open, and fair in um, his job. But one of the questions that I have is, especially in this type of atmosphere, um, one of the things, um, and to let you know who I am, I am also the chair of the Anderson County Democratic Party. But one of the things I want to know is when you have, um, you know, Policing and sometimes it becomes so politicized where politics become involved in something that should never be political, which is keeping our community safe. Um, And just so y'all have some background um, on me, I'm a 15-year veteran. Went to Iraq in 2010, so I, you know, am very um, close um, and understand you know what it what it means to protect and to keep your community safe um so that being said what 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 are the things that we can do as leaders to make sure that we are supportive on both political sides or just as a community and whole, so that people don't feel like there's only one set of people or one segment of society or one affiliation is only supportive of the police and the other part of the segment of the of society is against the police. Um, because I don't I don't believe that's true. I know it's not true. And so what what can we do as leaders? Um, to put that information out or to get involved um, with, with the police to make sure that everyone, even young children, but everyone sees that there's really no political side when it comes to policing, if that makes sense.
6: Yeah, appreciate that question, um, Tanya. And uh, so I'll, I'll step out on a limb a little bit. You're talking about politics and policing, so we've got two sheriffs here with us, and uh, um, so they're they're going to be experts at this at this answer. I would uh, offer both of the sheriffs an opportunity to respond to that, if you would be so kind. Uh,
11: Sheriff Crenshaw, you want me to go ahead? Go ahead, Sheriff. All right. Uh, that's an interesting question for sure, and I think Chief Handy kind of put it in perspective when you talk about politics. Uh, is we have to go through the political process to get to where we are, and you certainly hope that the outcome is in your favor. Um, now, when you talk about doing the job of being the sheriff, it continues to be a little bit political for sure, but... Um, we can't choose sides. I mean, I think America right now is probably more divided than it ever has been when you talk about politics, just in general, uh, and not supporting whoever is elected at whatever time certainly makes your job much more difficult. Um, I went through a very difficult sheriff race here in Greenville, and it divided our community, and it also divided our department. It, It divided our employees and past employees, so it's certainly a hard thing to overcome when you're trying to make relationships in the county with citizens. Uh, but the first battle you're fighting is inside your own department, you're fixing to take over. So in the past 19 months, it has certainly been a, a challenge, no doubt. But I think communicating with people and being honest and letting people see who you are, that politics, your political views don't really define you when it comes down to managing and being the leader inside your agency. Um, you know, people will quickly find out what you're made of. So uh, being truthful with people, and uh, for instance, we the sheriffs are member like police chiefs. We're a member of the South Carolina Sheriff's Association. Uh, if we make a decision, we do it together. Now we may not all agree, but uh, but as a unified um, uh, agency, if you will, uh, we take a stand on whatever position that is. And that comes through a lot of conversations a lot of talking and and a lot of give and take. So by doing that and being successful with such a great group of the other 45 sheriffs, we've been able to work inside our agency and work inside the community and talk to people and try to leave politics out of it, you know, and just make the best decision you can. Obviously you gotta follow the law, you follow your oath and you uphold your oath and you expect your men and women working there to do the same thing. Um, But ultimately what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And as long as we keep those standards in place and we're transparent, we communicate with the community and the residents, uh, victims of crimes, uh, you know, suspects, uh, and and keep everybody on a fair playing field. I think that's why we're different here in the upstate, to be quite honest. We don't have national issues. Um, Not saying we won't have, but if you look at what happened in the past year and a half, uh, we've certainly been able to handle them much better I think only because we've cultivated those relationships over a period of time uh, to keep things really from getting out of hand. Because we work with the community and certainly not against them. But to answer more of your question, you're absolutely doing what you need to be doing. I mean, you're on this call, you're getting involved with the community. You're, you know, you're trying to focus on being a major player, obviously, in the community you live in. Uh, that's the most we can ask for is participation, for sure. Are-
1: Chief or Sheriff Lewis, uh, let me follow up real quick uh, to you. Um, Are there can you give examples of things you have specifically done in the time you've been um, sheriff uh, to engage with uh, various uh, communities within uh, Greenville County?
11: Sure. I mean, I was elected uh, March the 16th and. You had the COVID pandemic going on, which was probably one of the best things that could have happened in the time for me taking office, because it certainly removed a lot of outside influences, if you will, or things that would normally occupy my time. So I was able to get out in the community and talk to different neighborhoods. Um, You know, it didn't matter if it was, we had racial protests coming at the end of May, first of June, that were certainly racially charged with George Floyd's. Uh, So I got with our activists, our local leaders, our pastors. I've had meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings, um, trying to understand, you know, what is the missing link here in Greenville. And uh, it was a big deal. But I think by focusing on that, it certainly helped start that conversation, uh, much like we're doing here tonight. Anytime you can have an open line of communication with somebody, you can certainly begin to understand what their thought process is and at least let them explain or, or let them understand what yours may be. Uh, and I think that went a long way. I know, I feel like it did here in Greenville and, uh, and working with people, uh, again, working with most of our activists, uh, we had some very, very long conversations, uh, very difficult conversations to be quite honest. I mean, it's uh, when you talk about racial issues, minority issues, uh, you talk about all the terms that were used in the past year whether it's, uh, you know, racial injustice or inequities or inclusion or any of those things, it's a difficult conversation. And, uh, and I think you just have to be real and really find out kind of where you are personally and then where you need to be as a leader of an organization. And then, you know, what do you bring to the community? And you have to have a listening ear. So I think uh, the biggest part of our success was certainly listening to the community and making yourself available uh, and the times we were in at that time certainly made it much easier for me uh, with COVID. As bad as COVID is, it certainly put the brakes, uh, if you will, on a lot of our daily operations. So I'm not sure what God's plan is uh, for us when it comes to COVID, but I can tell you it was uh, it was very helpful in my situation.
12: Sheriff, sure, I'll, I'll add to that a little bit. You know, a question about keeping politics out of out of law enforcement. Uh, You know, I tell our folks the oath that that every every law enforcement officer takes, uh, it it doesn't have anything in there about about politics or Republican or Democrat. You know, the oath you take is to serve everyone equally and fairly. I know I tell all of my staff, uh, you know, go out and do your job each and every day. Uh, Leave the politics to me, you know, as as uh, Sheriff Lewis and myself, you know, we, we are elected. Uh, which is, which is different than, than the police chiefs being appointed, but, uh, you know, he's talking about the other sheriffs across the state. I I can't necessarily tell you uh, which sheriff is a Democrat, which is a Republican. You know, when we come together, it is about doing what's best for, for each of our, our constituents, each of our counties. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where it's got to be, you know, in, well, one Another thing that I've done uh, talking about keeping politics out of law enforcement, uh, being elected, you know, I don't necessarily uh, do the hiring myself. That's how I am kind of keep politics out of it. I have a panel that interviews all the candidates so that someone can't say, well, I voted for you. You, you need to hire me. Uh, so, you know, we try to be fair, and equal in everything that we do and be transparent and transparent. Uh, if we do that, then then certainly we, we need to keep politics out of out of um, out of the jobs that we do.
10: Thank you for that. Thank you so very much.
3: Yeah, thank you. and uh, I guess we'll go to the the next question. Greg Stevens, I see you have your hand raised. We'll recognize you, please unmute and and ask your question.
4: Uh, good evening. Thanks a lot for allowing me to participate in the program. And uh, thanks to all you leaders and and uh, officials who have gathered and spending some time to share with your thoughts. Uh, my my question is surrounding uh, communication strategy. When things happen, and we know they have and will again in the future, talking about the steps that you take in order to inform the community, and I'm talking about something more than just the standard uh, media presentation uh, how do you reach into the community and how do you ensure that the message that you're trying to share about the situation is being communicated transparently to those in the community of what what had happened what is happening and what you're doing
6: all right i'll ask uh, chief taylor uh can you address that please sir
8: All right. Um, in reference to that strategy, I think one of the things is and the, the sheriff, sheriff Hobart talked about it is, is that we uh, within the context of the community, that we recognize the leaders in the community, we have dialogue with those leaders in the community, or people in the community. And I think that once something happened in the community, it's going to uh, be to that proportion of, uh, of the community's knowledge or need to know information is that that we talk with those leaders and we bring those leaders in and we discuss those issues with the leaders and let the leaders dialogue and have, have that dialogue in the community uh, because, you know, the community trusts them and those kind of things. Um, that's one of the ways. And I, I think another way, too, is that that we're constantly writing our narrative because uh, uh, so often uh, the media will, the news media will write the narrative. And I think it's important that we get ahead now with Facebook and the other different types of media thing, where we actually um, um, get ahead, get ahead of it, and we determine uh, or write our own narratives. So I think that's one of the things that that we do. Now, you know, um, any investigation is an ongoing investigation. Sure, sure. So and so and so, we have to be uh, very mindful of that. Is that we have to be very mindful of what that investigation is and how long that investigation takes. So uh, if we have an incident, we can tell you vaguely information that we know. But until we complete that investigation, uh, we, we, we we don't have that knowledge to say who was this or who done that and that, those kind of things. So I think it's having an understanding. And another thing, too, and I know some of the um, agencies do the uh, uh, having people to come in and and uh, we do our uh academies our our academies with the uh, public and I think that's another good thing too because you have a little bit of knowledge of how things operate and stuff like that so it's, it's got a, a lot of different wheels uh to that but we need to get the message out and we use our community leaders and dialogue uh to help us write that narrative at that time
4: all right thank you very much I appreciate your comments.
3: Okay, uh, great, and, and thank you, Greg. Um, and Stan Davis has a really good question in the chat that was really sort of in follow-up to some of the comments that uh, Sheriff Lewis made a few minutes ago, and I see uh, Chief Stewart has provided some follow-up, but I'll I'll read the question. Um, uh, how has the national conversation on criminal justice reform impacted how you implement, you know, you as law enforcement leaders implement law enforcement practices and procedures at the local level?
9: Uh, Chief Jim Stewart. Okay, so uh, my answer to that real quickly was, um, well, most of our agencies, uh, especially the ones you see here tonight, we already have general orders in place, and we also have um, accreditation in place. So we're already doing the right thing. Um, but there are a lot of agencies in the state that probably until this year, and it was placed on us by Chief Sled, to uh, either create a use of force policy or a duty to intervene policy, and then have those policies reviewed and accredited. Um, that is what is kind of like the national coming to South Carolina uh, at some point. I believe there's legislation, and um, other chiefs or sheriffs sure correct me, but. It's coming where every agency in this state is going to be required to be accredited. And that kind of puts us all on the same playing field, which means kind of like uh, Anderson's not doing anything different from Greenville doing from Spartanburg or different from Oconee or Pickens County or all the way to Charleston and Horry County. We're all on the same page.
6: It If I, uh, yeah, Jim just said something. It made me realize that we have uh, chief Taylor <laughs> from the Training Council um, here. So is there anything you can think to add to that, Chief Taylor, Um, the effects from from all the national attention, uh, any changes or updates or additional mandates that are coming out from the Training Council or have already come out?
8: Well, some things that we've already done was like, uh, for example, the duty to intervene. the duty to intervene, uh, we did something with the chokeholds, uh, you know, uh, you know that's not something that we teach at the academy, and those kind of things, so there's some things that we're doing, we've been proactive, and we, we've talked about the state accreditation, matter of fact, what we're doing now, even as a small agency of uh, 20-something people, we're going through our state accreditation. So we have a national accreditation and then we have a state accreditation, uh, which uh, means that we have to have policies and guidelines that meet the national standards. So uh, we are uh, pushing that uh, legislatively. We're we, we, we talking to legislators as well. And uh, we believe that that's probably going to come to pass that, that uh, each uh, agency, whether you're a one-man department or a 500-man department, uh, will have to have some form of a national accreditation or a state accreditation.
12: Chief, I add a little bit to that, you know, the Police Chiefs Association, the Law Enforcement Officers Association, the Sheriff's Association, uh, last year all uh, were in agreement uh, for minimum, basically minimum standards for for law enforcement across South Carolina. So that uh, we're talking about the the accreditation, uh, you know, training after, after the police academy, basic field training, making sure every agency in South Carolina does that. So, Uh, It's it's at the General Assembly. We'll see what happens come January, but certainly law enforcement across South Carolina and and, and all in the upstate support uh, minimum standards for law enforcement.
11: Chief Hamby, can I add something to that? Absolutely, please do. The um, Sheriff Crenshaw is probably not willing to admit this, but he uh, just coming out as the president of the Sheriff's Association, uh, last year, one of the things they're doing is looking at helping facilitate an accreditation manager for sheriff's offices who uh, who don't have access to that. So, whether we pay you know a part time fee or a full time fee, or just help provide the resources, uh, accreditation is is coming for those agencies that don't have it. It's it's going to be mandatory at some point. It's certainly a good thing uh, to meet a minimal set of standards. Uh, no doubt. But to get ahead of that, one thing the Sheriff's Association did to be proactive was to look at paying somebody to help smaller sheriff's offices uh, to to begin that process and kind of follow them through uh, before they start on-site assessments and all those things. So I think statewide, you're certainly going to see people, um, and we have a, a lot that are certainly state accredited, but you're going to see a lot of them move more toward Calia accreditation and meeting uh, just above the minimum standard, but to get on a national stage, if you will, uh, and meet that national standard. So, uh, And I'm sure the chief associations probably had the same conversation uh, because if we don't do it, we're certainly going to be forced to do something and, and be behind the curve, if you will. So I think everybody as a whole to get to stands Uh, question is is really being really proactive and they certainly kind of see what the forecast is for this country and know that uh, you know it's important for people to know that not only do we have rules uh, but as chiefs as leaders as sheriffs uh, we're also going to hold people accountable and I think that's important to the community that they know we don't just have a set of rules we're throwing out there uh, we're going to hold people to them and uh, and it certainly gives us a lot of uh, backbone when it comes down to those disciplinary issues and suspensions and even termination if need be. Uh, and that we're doing it again on a standard that is recognized uh, on a national level.
3: Great. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, great comments on the standardization and accreditation makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the next question, I'm gonna turn it over to Inez Morris Inez, you can unmute and ask your question.
13: Thank you and thank you for all of you who are here tonight sharing. Uh, You answered part of my question and that was about what changes have been made to the police departments because of um, the recent um, situations such as George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. But my question now is because of uh, how much do you think that the media plays into the public's response to situations such as George Floyd? Um, and what can we do as a community to help the police to, um, in how we respond and how we talk to our community about how to respond to police situations?
6: All right, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, how about uh, that one, Sheriff Lewis?
11: Be glad to. I had to unmute myself. I couldn't, uh, couldn't get my mouse working. Um, well, I think that uh, one of the biggest things, again, you know, if you plant those seeds early and if our community has relationships with their law enforcement, that when something does happen in their neighborhood or something they drive up on, or they're the victim of a crime and you already have those relationships established. One thing we've done at the the Greenville County Sheriff's Office is try to have roll call training on uh, not just de-escalation, but giving people the time they need to tell us what's going on. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things people face today. They see somebody working in law enforcement, they walk up to them and begin to ask a question, And nobody takes time to explain it to them or give them a proper answer or give them the time they feel like they deserve. Obviously, we're busy. It may be a very active scene. Uh, But one thing we've been charged with is to find somebody, uh, someone on that scene that can step to the side and answer that person's question, whether it's a family member or a citizen, whatever the case may be. Uh, The media sometimes, um, you know, you may do a, a 20 minute interview and they may play literally 40 seconds of it Uh, and it can get pretty aggravating and they never play the 40 seconds you want them to play. Um, So one thing we try to do is use social media. Uh, We do a critical incident briefing. You know, if we have an officer involved shooting or, or, or something major event, uh, we put all the facts together and then certainly try to, uh, to present them to the community and put them in a video format, put them on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all those things. And we have a good many followers, so I think that helps a little bit. Um, but Chief Taylor, I mean, he hit the nail on the head a while ago talking about the narrative that's created by the media. Uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, nobody is, is certainly casting stones at them. It's just people only, some you know, they only hear what they want to hear sometimes, especially if you're following the newspaper or, or watching the news. So it's important for us to stay out front. Uh, we will go on Facebook, we will do a Facebook live depending on the situation, and they can hear it from me to explain the situation we've responded to uh, right away. So they know exactly this is this is a real story. This is not just something that somebody thinks is going on. I think that's helped a little bit as far as getting the information out that is truthful. Um, but the, the the major focus is if you try to be transparent, how do you really how are you really going to do that? Um, and the proof's in the pudding you know is 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 there leadership in any agency out there out front talking to people answering those tough questions and again it's all about developing trust it takes a long time and it's a long process but it can be destroyed uh, in seconds with misinformation or uh, or not divulging the the facts of the case so Uh, But I think the citizens demand more today and and they're uh, certainly more involved than they've ever been and holding us accountable and law enforcement in general. Uh, So I think the tide's turning and and I think there's just more ways for us to get that information out and make sure that the law enforcement is telling the story um, and, and at least developing that narrative like Chief Taylor talked about instead of letting the media give that five or 10, 40 second clip. Uh, of just the really bad part um, of what's going on with no explanation I mean if something happens in your neighborhood you know there's a, a homicides occurred that's one thing but you also want to know whether or not a suspect's at large you know am I in danger do I need to lock my doors so we have a code red system where we you know call everybody and leave messages and do those things so uh, you know, the bottom line is communication and honesty, and, uh, you know, I don't think you can go wrong either way with those two, and I, I think it helps build a stronger community for us. Well, also
13: with that, then how, how important is community policing? Uh, I know in Greenville County, or in the city at least, they've talked about it and doing these community um, engagement teams um, in the in the community, um, and we, you know, we would like to see more of that in our neighborhoods because we think that that's important in building relationships with people in the community. So the people know the police officers, and the police officers know the community, especially those people who are community leaders. Um, and so, you know, I, I would like to see more community policing um, and I know Greenville City of Greenville has gone back and forth with that and um, we've in my neighborhood, we had a, a community engagement team. Now we really don't have one. So it's been a back and forth. And and I think part of that is just building trust with with the with the community, especially uh, our communities
11: of color. You you could not be more right. Uh, absolutely, ma'am. I couldn't agree more. I think uh, that every deputy that works at the sheriff's office should be a community deputy. Uh, and that's the culture we're trying to create, that they get out of those cars and walk up on porches and talk to people and they're walking through grocery stores and they're walking through businesses. Uh, everybody should know their deputy's name. Unfortunately, um, when I came into office, we had about 54 openings. Uh, We got another 14 positions right after that for the family court. So that's about 70 positions. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're down to 28 vacancies as of this morning. So there's a lot of new people coming through there, coming through your neighborhoods that, uh, that you certainly need to meet and they need to meet you. So that is a culture we're trying to establish. But it's difficult. I mean, you know, we got more than 580 deputies, 585,000 residents, uh, and those are answering calls. So we do, we have kind of regenerated the community action team at the sheriff's office. Captain Cromarty does an outstanding job of managing that. They're getting out, they're meeting people, they're going to community meetings. Um, I think with COVID kind of starting to Uh, us hopefully get that under some level of control, we can start back with a lot of those in-person meetings where people are more comfortable uh, and meet people face-to-face. So it's a work in progress, but I can tell you it's uh, it's certainly moving forward. And I know uh, Chief Thompson at Gringle City is doing a a great job with that as well. Uh, But again, we do have a community action team, but we want all our deputies to understand they're community deputies. And uh, we assign them different parts of the county, They need to get to know the people that can help them and the people who are are victims. And even the young people, you know, we don't want them to be suspects one day. We want to be role models. we got a program now. We're taking up suits and ties and shoes for young men who are getting ready to graduate high school that'll go out and start applying for jobs or looking for careers or, you know, interviews for college or whatever the case may be. It's important to invest and do those small things uh, to help start to develop those relationships. And that's certainly, I think, the every upstate agency certainly represented on this Zoom call uh, is certainly doing the same thing. There is nothing more important we can do in law enforcement than cultivate relationships.
6: And can I uh, ask for uh, Sheriff Crenshaw uh, to add a little bit of commentary regarding the uh, uh, diversity officer that you have on your staff and how they have been able to engage the community to sort of um, tack on to that question from uh, Ms. Morris. Sheriff.
12: Yes, sir. Uh, Ch- Chief Lewis hit it on the head. I mean, every I say the same thing. Every police officer, every deputy, uh, we want them to be in community, community officers and community deputies. Uh, let's face it, everybody gets nervous when the blue lights get behind them. I don't care who you are. Uh, the, a police car can be very intimidating. And uh, so that's why it's important to get out and build those relationships. Uh, and and, and that's, how, that's how police, that's how law enforcement is supposed to work. That's how it's designed to work. Uh, but uh, in relationship to, to what uh, I've, I've done here in Oak County with the uh, uh, cultural awareness uh, inclusion director's position, is actually not a police officer, not a sworn position. It's a, it's a civilian position. But, you know, we're with the diversity in our community, in our county, Then our organization, our agency is diverse as well. Uh, you know, we're, we're reflective of, of, of our demographics in Oconee. So, you know, we want to be inclusive internally and make sure that, that we're serving each other better on the inside so that we can go back out and, and serve our community better on the outside. Uh, so we focused on that, you know, making sure that we've got uh, Gender and race represented on all of our our hiring panels, our promotional panels uh, internally. uh, From a morale standpoint, and and then we can better go out and and communicate and connect with our community even better. Uh, But you know, with community meetings, uh, bias training, uh, it's all about those relationships. You know, getting out there. uh, Programs that we've started in Oconee. Uh, We have a cycle program that we call it, you know, going out, connecting the youth and the community with law enforcement, CYCLE, uh, that we, you know, through those community meetings, that's something that's come out of our our new position. So it's about uh, the the bottom line, again, is relationships, getting to know uh, the citizens, the citizens getting to know the police. And can I
0: just add on to that, uh, Sheriff, Oborton, Sheriff Grinshaw, uh, and Sheriff
8: Crenshaw, and I think they will agree. I think one of the things that the community can do, since we have a lot of community leaders on here, is invite the the agencies out to your to your uh, uh, community and, and have a maybe a specific topic. Um, if you want to know a specific topic, top, a topic on uh, how does an investigation work. Or whatever. If you want to on deadly force or any specific topics, you could probably uh Sheriff Hobart would probably send out maybe some of his team in, in Crenshaw or you know, someone would come out and they would come out and you can have a dialogue. It's a two-way, it's a two-way deal here. Is is that first of all, as, as a police officer, we are the community. You cannot separate a police officer from the community because we are the community as well. We're all people, we're all thriving, we're all living. And, and breathing and we all wanna be safe in our communities. So I think the narrative that we have that we have that we shouldn't have is that the police versus the community. And I think that's the wrong narrative and a false narrative. I think, I think that uh, Sheriff Hobart and Crenshaw and, and the chiefs uh, here would say we're here to serve. So you can invite us uh, to your churches or to wherever, and we can have those discussions and have those dialogues on a consistent basis. So I think that's one way you, you can plug it in because a lot of times they don't have the money or the manpower to have someone just to stay in your community. Uh, the way things are, sometimes they may not have the manpower to do that or, you know, the money to pay for that person, but you can invite them out to your churches, to your organizations and to places like that and have certain topics that you want to cover and they will, they, they, they will do that for you. Okay.
3: Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go just slightly out of order here in the questions that are coming in, just because I think, I want to recognize Sylvia Palmer. I think maybe she wants to maybe make a statement in response to a question around um, interactions between law enforcement and um, some low-income neighborhoods and communities. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Sylvia, and let you uh, take the floor.
7: Okay. Uh, I just want to speak in terms of what's going on here in the city of Greenville. Just recently, the police chief has revamped the neighborhood program of policing and it's now called NET neighborhood engagement team. And there are four zones that are divided up into, the city is divided up into four zones. And we just recently met our new team through our neighborhood association meetings. And that is one of the best things that has happened to Nickel Town is to have them come to our meetings on a monthly basis to give crime reports. And also, if there's issues going on in our neighborhood, that is a time we can share one-on-one with our local neighborhood um, enforcement team. And that's how we've been able to get our crime down to 3% in our neighborhood. And we are so proud of that. But before we had the NET program, we also had um, just the community policing team, and the same procedures were put into place. And what they do is go to the the local um, community center, talk with the guys playing basketball, form relationships there. We ended up with the cops on the court program, which helped a lot with young men knowing who the police officers were in the neighborhood. And just going to different events that they see going on in the neighborhood or either to the local stores to let themselves be known and just pop in and say hello. And that has helped a lot. And I wanted Stan to know about that. (laughs)
3: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I don't I don't think there's a, a response needed from the uh, law enforcement professionals there. So I, I do want to go to a, another question from the chat. Uh, this is from uh, Tanya Wimbush, and this is actually a topic that I think was somewhat addressed um, back during a, was it the first or second Beyond the Shield session. But uh, her question is around: Is there any introduction of uh, budget increases or funding? For officers and deputies to add um, mental health crisis managers to the departments, this may be helpful in helping the mental health issues that officers, deputies have to deal with on a more frequent basis. And I, you know, I think we talked about this in one of our earlier sessions, sort of in the context of uh, especially dealing with situations where um, there is, I think, some NAMI training available on de-escalation and dealing with uh, individuals who have. you know, mental health problems and are, uh, you know, involved in a crime. So, uh, Chief Ambi, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. That's kind of a long-winded question. I apologize, but um, would appreciate your, your thoughts and direction on that.
6: Yeah, I may direct this towards uh, Chief Stewart. Um, so the way I understand the, your questions are, are sort of, you mentioned budgeting specifically, but I guess this also could include any sort of resources that are available to Um, to officers with um, regards to dealing with persons with either mental illness or mental illness crisis. So um, I'll throw that out towards uh, uh, Chief Jim Stewart.
9: So I will just add uh, two answers to that. Um, As far as for us in Anderson, Oconee, and Pickens County, uh, we do have uh, CIT. It's called a crisis intervention team. And uh, so we do have a counselor that is available to us, you know, should, you know, a situation um, law enforcement related come up that is an emergency. Uh, now, that being said, there's a person on call, but they're for our tri-county area. here. So the person could be in Dickens or Oconee County on call. And, you know, it, you're talking about it's going to take a few minutes for somebody to get here um, to Anderson. That's still an issue. Um We do have very good relationships, and um, I will at least be, I know for Sheriff Crenshaw, but we have really good relationships with our um, folks at Anderson County Mental Health, Oconee County Mental Health, as far as our detention centers. Um, When we do have those folks that come to our jails, um, in the past, we would have uh, someone to be in the detention center for a. number of days before they were actually seen by mental health, the judge could refuse to see them also um, because of issues. Uh, So that relationship has vastly improved. And uh, another tool that's in our belt now um, is the part one form that we have with the emergency room where a law enforcement officer can detain somebody and fill out that affidavit and carry them to the emergency room where they can be evaluated and the ER does have to hold that person for 24 hours, has kind of, um, you know, in the old days, you would think you you had to get a detention order or um, an order from the probate judge. So that's kind of helped us a little bit. Uh, We met here in Anderson with the uh, director of emergency medicine at our ER to iron out some of the issues with that. And um, it's really helped because if not, it's just a repeat cycle. Um, law enforcement's arresting somebody, they're right back out on the street after seeing a bond judge, or they're going in the hospital. Um, you've heard them say, fake it till you make it. So somebody that has mental health issues does have the ability to know how to get out of a hospital situation, they're right back out on the street for us to deal with. I that answered that. That was kind of a long.
10: Yeah. Yes, that answer it. But I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to leave. I got a sick daughter. But the the main thing, and and I just want to say thank you for the invite again. But the main thing is, I guess I'm thinking of futuristic. Um, is there anything that we can do? Um, because I am, you know, part of the Democratic Party. Um, they talk about things like phrases like defund the police, but they never talk about like increased funding for things like what I'm speaking of, like or you know what you know, other people are speaking of increasing funds because it takes money to be able to staff community police and it takes money to be able to staff, um, you know, mental health crisis managers, it takes money to be able to do these things. And so um, instead of trying to take money away, um, I would think we would be saying we need to put more money into the police. Um, Just like keeping our community safe, just like putting more money into education, putting more money into all the things that we need, um, you know, on a state level as well as budgeting on, you know, our local community level. So um, I guess I'm asking that so that, you know, if we are able to see there's a need, then how, how can we as, you know, people who, you know, push policy, push budgeting, push, you know, change, you know, what's the message that we can help push to increase the money that police officers and people who keep us safe to be able to build those coalitions, coalitions together to increase the funds so that we can address those issues instead of, you know, the divisive, you know, defund and all that kind of stuff. To me, um, you know, I'm just putting my two cents out there. Like I said, I got to take my sick daughter. Um, I think she has a flu to doctor's care. But um, again, you know, I just wanted to put that out there. I appreciate you all for what you do. Thank you so much for your service to our community. Thank you for all the leaders here. And thank you for just allowing me being a part of this conversation. Y'all have a good night.
3: Yeah, thank you, Tanya. Did anyone want to comment? I know Tanya had to drop off, but that was a a sort of a question, I guess. Anyone want to comment on uh, how that Law enforcement departments may be able to, um, you know, increase funding to address some of the issues that she raised.
6: Um. So, Sheriff Lewis, do uh, you want to comment on that?
11: Be glad to. The um, you know obviously we have to work through county council uh, when you talk about an increased budget uh, or seek out some type of grant to get some of these things done. Uh, a lot of it depends on obviously what you want to do. Uh, but when you talk about putting counselors in cars and, and putting them on a patrol shift and, and something just the size of Greenville County, uh, it would certainly be extremely expensive. Um, now when we talk about spending money for training, we're very fortunate to have a very supportive County council that supports the sheriff's office and certainly helps equip us with the funds we need, uh, to get training, whether it's, um, uh, you know, uh, crisis intervention training or training through NAMI or whatever the case, uh, we have found that we pick select people on each platoon at the sheriff's office uh, to get them certified in kind of a train-the-trainer situation. It's very difficult to get 580 plus people through that. Uh, So that's how we've managed to do it. When you talk about adding personnel and some of those things, uh, obviously it's extremely expensive, not just on the salary for those people, if you can find them and have them apply. Uh, But the cost of having an additional employee uh, to look at doing that at Greenville County, it would be about another 40 additional employees to have somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, just to have one available throughout the county. So uh, I think Chief Stewart hit on having one available on call. I think a lot of us use that. We have a chaplaincy program that we use that are trained to do that. And that's been extremely helpful for us, not only for citizens in certain situations, uh, but certainly our deputies. We have a great mental health program that was created by Major Ty Miller. Uh, she does a tremendous job facilitating that uh, and you know provides a ton of counseling, uh, a private uh, office, if you will, Uh, takes care of that for us but they're uh, they're full and uh, and they stay really busy whether it's something that happened at work maybe something you're struggling with at home so keeping our deputies our employees healthy and and taking care of their mindset and their well-being uh, certainly proven to be a direct reflection of how they go out and conduct business out in the county Uh, and a lot of them have shared those experiences with people during some very traumatic cases they've worked as well so uh, that's kind of how we deal with it. Uh, instead of asking for those forty additional employees, we didn't even look at the budget numbers. But if you're paying somebody that has a degree, uh, a counseling degree, to do that, uh, you know, you're. I think the range was around sixty-five to about eighty thousand dollars a year, uh, times forty people. So it was a it was a pretty extensive uh, amount.
6: I, I will also. I'm sorry. Uh, if, I may, if I may ask or add uh, one comment. Um, so uh, Chief Stewart may have been referring to the exact same um, group that I'm going to mention, and that's with the South Carolina Department of Mental Health. They have a mobile crisis team. Uh, we have been able to take advantage of their services uh, multiple occasions on uh, calls that our officers had have had to deal with, um, Um, persons with mental illness in a crisis moment. Um, So we've had uh, the ability to call in uh, mental health professionals. They will come to the scene no matter what time of day or night. And uh, so they've been able to um, help negotiate with with some of these um, persons in a middle crisis, but they also have a um, system in place where they can communicate directly with a probate court judge and they can get an emergency pickup order in the works. So they can do a lot of uh, great things with um, on their cell phone by calling the probate judge and make things happen very rapidly. So that's helped us uh, tremendously on multiple occasions uh, on calls that we've had to, to deal with people uh, in a mental health crisis. So that's a great you know, that's something that hasn't been around for a long time, and that is run by the South Carolina Department of Mental, Mental Health. Uh, all right, Jim.
3: Okay, uh, there's another, uh, and thank you, there's another question in the chat that I think is uh, is very appropriate for 10 of the Top and the, the regional collaboration efforts, I guess, that the dean has led, and it's from Gail Wilson-Owan, and it asked, are there opportunities for organizations to have shared training and closer interactions.
5: Thanks. Hi. Um, it's great to be on this call. I'm uh, the new president and CEO of the Urban League of the Upstate, so I'm really excited to uh, Dean invited me to participate. So certainly, you know organizations like the Urban League, we have uh, I have a juvenile diversion program, right and bilingual staff that are doing this work. But I, I was just curious, are there opportunities for nonprofit partners such as Urban League to not necessarily have somebody come in and, and you know present to us, but how can I, uh, you know, we have limited capacity as well, perhaps participate in or take advantage of some of the wonderful training that you all maybe offer. Um, so you know, our, our staff person, you know, they do home visits and they visit the youth in schools, but uh, I would like to see it not be so siloed. I feel like our work is so siloed. How can we be more part of uh, some of the training and and support that y'all are doing?
6: Okay, Uh, Sheriff Crenshaw, would you uh, want to respond to that please, sir? Yeah,
12: certainly a a great question there. I think there's a couple of opportunities uh, I think most of us have what we call a Citizens Police Academy. Uh, that's where we, uh, it, for us, no Coney, uh, we do it one nine a week uh, for about 12 weeks. Uh, and, and that's really where, you know, non citizens can come in and, uh, and go through those classes and really learn everything about law enforcement that we do. Uh, so that's a great opportunity. Uh, you know, we also have as Chief Taylor, I think mentioned earlier, uh, speakers, speakers bureaus. If there's a particular topic uh, that that a nonprofit would like to uh, to, to get a presentation on, uh, I think any of us, you know, have officers that are available to come out and speak to to those groups. But uh, you know, our nonprofits play a huge role. I know we partner with a lot of nonprofits uh, in our county uh, to, to to help us uh, solve problems. To issues that we're having so uh I, I, some of the other chiefs or sheriffs may have some other other programs or things that they're doing but but certainly there, there's opportunities for nonprofits. we'll come to you or you know certainly you can you can come to us uh and and, and i'm sure for us if we would put together a, a training for for the whole group if you wanted us to do a, a an hour two hour four hour class for the entire group on a certain topic we would certainly be be glad to try to set something
3: up. Great. Thank you, uh, Sheriff Crenshaw. And I see that uh, Chief Stewart from Anderson added in the chat a link to the Anderson Police Department Citizens Academy, um, some some information there. Uh, I'm going to go back. There's another question in the chat that I don't think I, I probably uh, gave it appropriate uh um let me see if i can find it gave it an appropriate answer but stan davis had had asked a question that um I think we addressed partially by you know Sylvia talking about the net program that that's specific to Greenville. But I I really like Stan's question. So I'm gonna just read it again because I think maybe it goes beyond the scope of just you know that that one net program that that we discussed. And his question is, building trust between law enforcement and low-income neighborhoods has been a challenge in the past. Are there any new local practices that are bearing fruit and can be replicated, uh, you know, in in various areas of the upstate? So um, I'll turn that over to you,
6: Matt. All right. Uh, Sheriff Lewis, uh, you know, being that that you've been on board uh, as the sheriff for close to two years, Um, You know, has your office implemented anything? uh, I guess Jim's being specific about new programs.
11: Sure. I think that our community action team, that we've kind of revamped a few things and and brought our SROs in, our school resource officers in, um, and talked about developing relationships with our young people. Our community action team has focused on, obviously, our youngest citizens in different neighborhoods, Uh, Even with COVID going on, we've had a new building we opened up down in the Pendleton Street area uh, and invited a lot of young people and their parents over, uh, have some static displays of SWAT gear and some of those things, the fire department, uh, anything to try to draw those young people in, as well as sponsorships from uh, Lowe's on Poinsett Highway as well as Chick-fil-A to provide food and just start having a community day, you know, where it doesn't have to be a national night out is great. Uh, it's a great program for sure, but we've tried to do it more on a local level, uh, like a neighborhood level. And, uh, and so far it's certainly been very productive, I think, in, uh, in getting kids involved and at least talking to law enforcement in their schools uh, and learning what the responsibility and the role of a Greenwood County deputy is. Uh, and handing out those stickers and, you know, those patches and all those good, cool, fun things, coloring books and all that, but then taking time to talk to them about uh, what our job really is. Uh, You know, the chief and sheriff both mentioned citizen academies. Um, We certainly have those, but we're trying to have that on a more informal, uh, less timely basis for our smallest citizens as well, and uh, I think, you know, investing in our young people is going to pay huge dividends for us uh, as an organization. So uh, that's one thing we've really tried to focus on that impacts the community. Uh, and then we've done other things with cold case and, you know, the ins and outs and operations of the sheriff's office. But when you talk about outreach, uh, our community action team, again, um, and, and one thing we had to do was, was fill those spots. You know, we had a lot of vacancies here. Uh, So we had to hire people so we could put them in the positions we had for community patrol. uh, So we had bodies to go do those things. And now having the buy-in from those deputies um, to understand what we're trying to do and know what the mission is, uh, it's it's certainly been a blessing to watch that come to fruition. A
12: couple of things, if, if I may add.
6: Yes, sir. Uh, Sheriff, please go ahead.
12: Talking about new programs, uh, you know, we this is fairly new. Last couple of years we're familiar with National Faith in Blue. Uh, it's a, uh, a, a national program, I think, started, started somewhere close to Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where it's trying to connect uh, faith communities with law enforcement, uh, regardless, uh, all across all faiths, uh, as well as in, uh, in South Carolina, we have a group serve and connect. That has Greg's Groceries, where law enforcement can uh, can actually take food, deliver food to uh, to people in need uh, through Serve and Protect. Uh, and several agencies across South Carolina have done that and, and have really built great relationships with, with their communities by doing so. Great,
3: thank you, uh, Sheriff Franchal. um Let's see. I'm not not seeing other questions, but if there are others that uh, anyone would like to raise your hand, please do. Um, and there's a, a certainly several other topics that we haven't really gotten into in tonight's uh, conversation. So if there's anyone else that has a question or, or uh, Keisha, I'll ask you if I'm missing anything. I've tried to monitor the chat as well. Yeah, I've been
7: watching pretty closely.
13: I don't see any more hands or questions right
6: now. Jim, Jim, um, I had uh, received a message from Chief Taylor. Um, We don't really have a question presented to prompt uh, what he wanted to talk about, but he wanted to add some commentary about handling issues of misconduct by um, law enforcement officers in our state. Chief? That would be great.
8: Okay, then. Yeah, I wanted just to speak a little bit about the training council. Uh, One of the things that we do is we deal with misconduct. Um, And I'm just going to just briefly just go through section, South Carolina Code of Law, section 23-23-150. That's section 23-23-150. You can look that up. But what happens in misconduct cases is, is that when there's an allegation, if a person is convicted or plea of a no contest or admission to get to a felony or a crime punishable by sentence of more than one year, regardless of sentence actually imposed, uh, the uh, sheriff or the chief turns that in as a misconduct. Now, uh, some of the things that we look at is the un- unlawful use of controlled substance, the repeated use of excessive force in dealing with the public or prisoners, dangerous or unsafe practices involving firearms, weapons or vehicles, which indicate either a willful or wanton disregard for the safety of persons or property, the, the physical or psychological abuse of members of the public, the misrepresentation of employment-related information, willfully making false and misleading statements, uh, willfully making false and misleading incomplete, deceitfully, or inaccurate statements to any court of competent jurisdiction, willfully providing false, misleading, uh, incomplete, uh, information on a document, uh, the falsification of any application, or providing false information to the Criminal Justice Academy. Now, we meet every uh, once a month and we have these hearings and the the, the sheriffs will tell you, the chiefs will tell you, um, that this is something they take serious. Um, so what happens is, is that when we have these cases, we have that hearing and the, uh, it, the uh, uh, law enforcement agency actually has to come and present the case. I mean, it's just like here in, in, a, in a hearing, it has to, has to be a, a formal hearing where we have an administrative judge and uh, cannot be hearsay and those kind of things. So it's kind of very thorough. And what we do is once that case has been heard, then the um, Law Enforcement Training Council, we review those cases. And then we make a decision of decertifying an officer or or suspending that officer's certification and and so on. So these are things that we do and we hear a lot of different things. And one of the things that we hear a lot of is just sometimes officers not telling the truth and and, uh, making deceitful statements. Or I mean, we we hear a a gamut ray, ray of different things. And one of the reasons this is so critical is because of the Giglio. And, and what happens is if there's an officer, uh, a defense attorney uh, can request an officer's personnel file. If there's anything in that personnel file that that um, is, is corrupt, then the officer can be giglioed. And that means he is no good for anything as far as when it comes to making cases. He can't testify in court and those kind of things. So um, we're trying our best to, to, to clean, clean our state up. And the sheriffs and the chiefs can tell you that it's no nonsense, because I think I've probably had, I I know I've had a few from from Greenville, and I think I've had some from Oconee, and I know I've had some from Anderson City, where we have taken their certifications from them. And that means uh, they cannot police anywhere in South Carolina, but also we put this in a database as well. So if they go to another state or something, it's going to be in a database. So what we're doing is we take this serious. I can say our law enforcement uh, uh, is a career, and and, uh, those are the things we do not tolerate. But we are working on on those issues, and we will decertify officers that uh, if they're found to be in violation of any of those things I talked to you about.
0: Appreciate that, Chief. That's
3: great. So Dean, I I might turn it back over to you. I know we're getting close to our our time and uh, I don't see any additional questions that have come up. Well, let me just Uh, mention there's some some good information in the chat as well that Justine just posted regarding uh, recruiting, retention and training.
1: And Jim, uh, Sylvia does have another question.
3: question. Oh, I'm sorry, Sylvia. Excuse me. (laughs) I just
7: want to ask a question of Chief Taylor or any of the law enforcement uh, representatives. What about whistleblowers in the organization? Are they encouraged to speak out when they see things that are not kosher among their peers? And is there protection for them if they do speak out?
8: Ma'am, let me just say this is that we do, one of the things that we do have is a duty to intervene. So, if there's somebody that's not being treated just or of excessive force or any violation of the law, an officer is we have a duty to intervene into that situation. And, and uh, you know, uh, we, we do have officers that will come forward when they see something uh, that is not appropriate, that's something that, that, that could be criminal, uh, be dishonest. And we do have officers and what they do. They actually come and give us a, they actually have to testify in court, um, you know, testify in the administrative hearing uh, in, in in regards to those uh, types of situations and those things. So we take it very serious and I think that the majority of your officers are professional and they take this as a career and they take it serious as well.
1: And to follow up on on the question from Ms Palmer, uh, Chief, are they protected if someone comes forward uh, against reprisal by other police officers or anyone like that? I mean, how does that work? you know if, if someone does come forward, um, about a situation well i mean
8: and uh either one of the insurance and the chiefs can answer for you from their agency but i think it's it's you know our culture uh it depends on the culture of that agency but i think um we, we are no nonsense and, and i think these officers get it and i, I think because their livelihood could be jeopardized as well you know if they don't come for it and they have information and they withhold that information they could actually lose their livelihood, their certification as well. Uh, I've I've not heard of anybody being uh, uh 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 being in fear for testifying in an administrative hearing. I I, I haven't I haven't mm. seen that. Maybe one of the sheriffs or one of the chiefs can comment
12: more. Yeah, the policies that you need to intervene that uh, that covers. So you know, if you have a high ranking officer doing something wrong in a in a slick sleeve seat that. Then yes, that policy covers that slick sleeve officer uh, to come forward without without any repercussion or reprisal against him uh, by by that higher ranking member of the agency. Uh, so so that is that is protected under that duty to intervene policy.
1: Great. Well, as as Jim said, we are up against our time, and I'm glad we uh, made this a 90 minute session. We probably could go two hours and still have more uh, topics to cover. And certainly as we move into next year, I I think we will probably do uh, another one of these community sessions in the evening. Um, And um, I just wanna, before I turn it over to um, uh, Mayor Roberts to close out for us, I want to thank again, uh, Chief Hamby and then our our panel and also Keisha and Jim. Um, You know, what I have learned in these four sessions I've really gotten a good appreciation of the fact that law enforcement here in the upstate takes their role very seriously uh, they are have a lot of processes in place that we as the general public don't know about or you know here we hear of course as was mentioned in one of the questions of uh, the media uh, perception of law enforcement but the reality is is far different and I think um, there's also, in most cases, the relationship between law enforcement and the community is very different than what it's often uh, portrayed as more confrontational. Um, you know, I, I am very appreciative of, of our community leaders who recognize the importance of working with law enforcement and our law enforcement officers who who recognize that part of making their job better is to work uh, hand in hand with the community and, and through uh, the Safer Upstate initiative we're trying to, to help uh, grow the capacity of those relationships and, and that effort here in the upstate. Not every department uh, unfortunately has the time or energy uh, or resources to be as uh, involved as some of the ones we've heard from uh, today. Uh, we did a survey earlier this year that talked about uh, the, um, what departments do, and most departments have some community engagement, but they don't necessarily have dedicated funds for that. So, you know, as we move forward, there may be ways, we talked about funding earlier, you know, to, to really make sure that, that uh, there is uh, opportunities to utilize resources for Uh, And to grow the amount of resources available to help law enforcement and community leaders work more collaboratively. So again, I thank everyone uh, for this. If you are interested in being involved in the Safer Upstate initiative, uh, as we move into next year, uh, Justine will put her contact information up uh, uh, here in a second, and I encourage you to reach out to her. As I mentioned earlier, we have some Uh, plans and initiatives uh, moving forward into next year. So with that, Mayor Roberts, um, you know, when you and I first sat and talked about how to move forward with this effort, uh, I uh, would generally say if we knew that it was going to result in events like this tonight, I I think we, we would have been very pleased at the time. And I'm certainly very pleased tonight. So I will turn it over to you.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Dean. And I agree. And uh, I won't even start to thank everybody involved in the whole process, but um, because I would uh, inevitably leave somebody out. But I want to thank the all our members of our law enforcement and our community leaders for participating in the series. I've said this publicly before, and I'm a little biased, but I knew that Chief Stewart. In our community, we were doing it good. But what I found over the last 18 months is that there are a lot of law enforcement and community leaders that are doing it very well in the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, of all the things I've done over my career, um, this is probably one of the most impactful things I think we've done as a region. So thank you for everybody participating. Stay tuned for 2021. And um, I hope everybody has a good holiday season. Stay safe and uh, be careful. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Good night.
11: Thank you all. Thank you so much. Good
1: night. Thank good you. you.
0: Good night.